out there, Foxes fans, and welcome back to another edition of the U.S. Foxes podcast. Coming to you live, as always, from various time zones around the United States of America. I, as always, am your host, Matt Folks, joined by two of my wonderful co-hosts this evening. First, uh, in New York City, Mr. Jason Becker of the New York Foxes. What's up, brother? Yeah, um, I have to say, there's there's a lot going wrong, a lot going just sadly south around sports in my world. Uh, Giants horrible. Yankees don't make the playoffs. The U.S. Ryder Cup team just puts in another disgrace in Europe. Congratulations, Chris. Yeah, I'm not man. sure I even wanted to see your face yet. It's just <laughs> a little too soon. But our Leicester City Football Club remain a bright spot this year and causing us all sorts of joy. So we are um, we are still happy here in New York. Yeah, I'm happy that, you know, you guys have that, Giants fans especially. There's lots of fan bases, though, around uh, the United States right now that I feel like despite how their, their team might be performing, if they're also a Leicester fan, you could just not be anything but thrilled right now. Uh, Mr. Chris Warner up in Del Mar, how are you uh, this evening, bro? Ole, 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 ole. Hey, <laughs> boys. It. Yeah, not too bad, Matt. Not too bad. In, you know what? Enjoyable weekend. I know Jim's not with us on the call. We actually decided to go celebrate in Europe just to yeah. uh, just to enjoy it a little bit further. But no, yeah, I mean. I'm out. <laughs> I love you guys. You know what? I'll give you this um, Sunday watching it. There was a point when the comeback was on the, there yeah. was a little bit in a move thinking oh my god like the le- the the cynic that Leicester have caused me to be all over these years was like oh god we, we're done like they're going to come back it's going to be the worst thing but no thankful for um Ricky deciding he wanted to put it in the drink versus putting it on the green and yeah it's what it is but yeah not doing too bad buddy not doing too bad it's it was tough for two uh, San Diego golfers because Xander and Ricky are both from San Diego. So, uh, yeah, not not great for us, but uh, we'll see at Beth Page in a few years. Uh, black 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 courses. That's uh, humbled quite a few Europeans and Americans alike. So, should be an interesting. But yeah, congrats but, on your uh, No worries for the European fans. We will make sure we uh, keep it extra classy for y'all. Cup comes to New York. I got this. I got my headphones on, or I would take my hat off for you right now. Uh, absolutely. Um, let's dive into our uh, beloved Leicester City. Uh, the it's kind of kind of a, a podcast where we got to touch on a few things, and and we know like that that's going to be the theme, guys. Just we've said it from the beginning this year: the championship and its crazy, hectic schedule, and then you throw in EFL Cup matches against uh, Carabao Cup match against Liverpool and uh yeah it's it's just stuff on top of stuff but a good test for our young team and we'd been talking early in the season after we saw some of the success of Enzo and how Enzo ball was being played we we it was only natural to wonder how this would translate to the Premier League uh, against a Premier League club 
And uh, I, you know, I take full advantage for jinxing us on this. But I said at the time, man, it would be cool to get a Premier League club in the draw. And sure enough, we get Liverpool. I was not hoping for, you know, mid-table team would have been great. Why didn't you get fucking Wolves or somebody Everton? Somebody. But uh, anyway, we get Liverpool. And uh, yeah, guys, we I'll tell you what. It could have been much much worse I'll, I'll say that and there were times at that uh, and especially in the beginning of that game where i was ins- insanely proud of the way that our boys played um young casey mcateer just continues to surprise and obviously picking up a tough injury that we'll get into but just has been an absolute star and when you look at things that you could be happy about with this club, that's got to be one of the first ones that pops up, Jason. A young guy like this performing at a level and scoring against a club like Liverpool at Anfield. Every, I mean, just he looks so cool slotting that thing home. He, You're right. Uh, I think you just used the word revelation, and he certainly has been. He's been uh, a lot of fun to watch. He's our leading scorer for the year. Um, will be a big loss, but he's really – answered the call and, and made a step up. And if you think about his, his um, career up to now, this is the highest level he's played at. You know, he, he's been – he played lower lower division football. He played, was playing for the U23s, and now he's made the step up in leagues. And um, he's, been, he's been fantastic, and not just his goal scoring, but the work that he does off the ball. And the intensity in w- with which he plays, and, um, and just how he's just—he's everywhere. He's always trying to get involved and make something happen. Um, he's just a really fun player to watch. So some people, you know, when they watch games, want to see the whole pitch. Other folks like to kind of uh, zero in on a player. And I think he's a fascinating player to watch. Um, hopefully, he's back soon and healthy. But it's—he—his um, confidence must have been so high. Um, scoring a goal like that. And I think even though it was a tough loss in the end, I, I, I think past Leicester sides under Rodgers, maybe a bit under Puel, um, would have taken a loss like that and gotten very discouraged. And um, there was none of that from from this side. Might be some of the you know naivety from the young players, um, but I think it's a bit of Enzo kind of rubbing off on all the guys and the players kind of taking to that message and players like McAteer being told, like, we're not worried about today. Like you just go out there and you, we're going to play our game no matter what. I want you to go out there, Casey. I want you getting up high up the pitch, getting up the pitch quickly. Whenever you have that opportunity, just do it. And, you know, if we give up a goal, we give up a few goals. So be it. This is, you know, we'll, we'll just turn our attention to the league and we'll put all that anger from a loss into our next league opponent. So, um, yeah, I really couldn't be bothered that we lost, but um, I think Matt, like he was a real bright spot and, and someone worthy of being called out and celebrated right off the bat on, on this episode. For sure. Uh, Chris, with when you look at the, the result, you know, three to one on paper, but... I mean, we were, it's not like we were playing an Everton or a Wolves. We were playing one of the most athletic, high press teams in the world. And there were times where we really held our own on that. I, I thought it was a, for the team that we put out, 
I thought it was a pretty solid performance. I know we spoke on the podcast the week before about the lineup that we were going to have. And if you look at that 11 and compare it to, say, the 11 we played on Sunday and previous 11s, then there were players like Sutter in the side. You had Mark, Al- Mark Albrighton got a run out. Chowdhury played in that. Yes, he's played a little bit more than those guys, but he played in the centre of the park. It wasn't the 11. If we were to say, hey, this was our strongest 11, it probably wasn't that. And yeah, you're right, Matt. The scoreline, the stats do say one thing. It suggests that Liverpool dominated, which they which they did. But I was, I was happy with that performance. And I thought, to Jason's point, that mentality is the most important thing that rubs off. It's like, okay, this wasn't going to be for this day, but hey, let's go again Sunday, focus on the league and move forward. And I think that was a huge positive. I'll echo what you guys said about McAteer. I, one thing I love about the guy as well is that he has, when he puts on that Leicester shirt, you know it means something to him. And that's just what we want to see. We've can. We spent and bemoaned all last season about that lack of passion, whether it be wearing the shirt. You don't get it with that guy. You know that he puts on that Leicester shirt. He's proud to put on that Leicester shirt. All he wanted to do his entire life was put that Leicester shirt on. So, yeah, revelation, mate, and um, long may it continue. I mean, just to go and talk a little bit more about the game, and Matt, maybe we'll go more into it, but it was great to see Cody out there as well. I mean, one of the things that I... He brought a sense of leadership and calmness back there, which I think is so exciting to see as he kind of regains his fitness and gets integrated, I think, potentially into the 11 moving forward. Yeah. yeah. A lot. Go ahead, Jason. Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, no, Matt. Go ahead. I was just going to say there was a lot of, uh, you know, I saw a lot of Liverpool fans celebrating the fact that, you know, they made 11. Uh, uh, we were able to beat Leicester with all the 11 changes. And I wanted to just like comment on all of them that, yeah, we made nine changes ourselves and still scored first on you and gave you a hell of a match uh, from where we are as a team versus where you are. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're playing enough that insanely athletic team you're playing Jurgen Klopp who is one of the brightest managers in the game uh so yeah I think you know I I hate the fucking term moral victories but I think that's what you just got to look at here Jason yeah um I mean we, we played a back four that had never played together uh two our, our two center backs were making their debuts right for us uh, and Cody's coming back from injury and we made changes all over the pitch. So these this is an 11 that's not used to playing with, you know, each other. And, you know, still did all right. And we're in the game. And if it weren't it wasn't for some just appalling refereeing, you know, maybe we do scratch that out and, and, and take it to penalties. I mean, the the, the, the refereeing, the, the officiating was, was terrible. So I don't really have a lot. I mean... I don't, I don't have as much sympathy as, as maybe some do about the their latest VAR plight uh, because of some of the calls that they've gotten against us at Anfield over the exactly. years. So, um, yeah, um, I don't know. I think my my two thoughts after – my two immediate thoughts after the game were, uh, one, you know, of course, of course, Diego Jota waited until Hamza Chowdhury was already on a yellow – before he probably go after him and try to pretend like he was a tough guy. Um, and I, I really wish that, that someone would have uh, put him in his place uh, that day, but uh, I'm sure we'll have another opportunity to do that after we get promoted. And 
Uh, number two, yeah, you know, what? on to winning the league. Those those were my two thoughts after the game. <laughs> Yeah, very much so. And I think like we could have, I think those were pretty much our thoughts heading into the game. So um, take it as it is, guys. I think it was great for our young, young gentlemen to get a good match against a, a higher level club. And yeah, we had worried. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess it's also pretty cool that, I mean, I, I'm sick and tired of playing them when we don't have to and we constantly join them in the cup. I guess it is pretty cool that, like, whenever we do play them, we go to Anfield, we get to see, like, what new 16-year-old they've created in a factory at on Merseyside that's going to become, like, the new, like, greatest just going to torment us for the next 10 years. Yeah, so I guess we got to see that again. If, you know, I don't know if you can consider that a positive, but or I guess it's a novelty. It's something pretty cool. We get a sneak preview before everyone else does again. Whatever they've grown. Um I, uh, I, I, one thing I was kind of worried about was the momentum, uh, and what that yeah. could do. Uh, you know, I was afraid that the boys, you know, might get their shoulders hung low a little bit, but man, we saw the exact opposite. And I think that really speaks to the leadership in the locker room, the leadership that uh, our manager has right now and the general feeling around this club of, uh, yeah. Okay. On to the next one. Let's win the fucking league to your point, Jason. Um, we step up uh, with a with a tough match, then coming right back on on the short week, and man, we look really good on the weekend. A four to one dominating performance, uh, where we're seeing Jamie scoring goals like he scores. That was a very Jamie Vardy goal again. Amazing to see um, penalty goals. I I mean, dive right into it, Chris. Your thoughts on uh, how it went on the weekend for us? Uh, four a.m. for the four a.m. wake up call here on the West Coast. Proper game of football. Firstly, I'll say I love Ewood Park. I think it's one of those fantastic old stadiums that has so much history, but they've done a good job kind of making it still look relatively decent on camera. I thought everything about that game was absolutely fantastic. The build-up, just the atmosphere, the players coming out of the tunnel. Um, yeah, it was a proper game. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, in terms of the performance, yeah, I mean... It's weird, like 4-1, and you're thinking to yourself, all right, we absolutely... If you look on that on paper again, you're thinking, okay, we smashed it. Like, convincing performance type thing. But I'm still... I still don't really know how to feel about the performance. Like, we're getting it done, and we're scoring goals, and we're winning these games. But, like, in terms of where I think we're, we're still just a team learning to play this philosophy and learning how to play Enzo Ball and learning how to adapt as a unit. And so I still think there's just so much, I just, every game I'm coming, I'm like, oh my God, there's just so much potential still coming from this team. And I mean, yeah, going away to Blackburn, winning 4-1 like we did, fantastic. Top of the league, starting to get that gap. But it's still a case, Matt, of like me just thinking to myself, I'm like, I still don't really know where we are as an 11. And I'm just... So excited to see where we're going to go and where it's going to continue. Yeah, we spoke about a little bit last week that, you know, these we're not playing a 4-4-2 here. The guys, it's it's not a system that they've, any of, I mean, maybe a few of them, but it's it's a system that is new to everyone from the, uh, you know, water boy to 
into well not Enzo I guess but to the to the to the guys on the pitch so when you have that and you have also that dichotomy of a new locker room trying to come together a team playing in a new league with a new manager I mean everything is just so up in the air that yeah it's going to take a little bit longer than let's just play get it forward football Marty Balls I heard it called by the way which is (laughs) this week which is hilarious um so I think now that we are starting to see things start to click, and I think one of the biggest uh, things that I noticed there, Jason, was that we're now only being scored on on our mistakes, uh, that play by Mads uh, out of the back. And it's a very Man City feeling. Like when Man City gets scored on, it's usually because somebody fucked up. And we're starting to see that now with our new system. And that's, in my opinion, why it was 4-1 to one and not 4 nothing. Yeah, um, there were stretches where, you know, Blackburn were, were in the game and, and threatened us. But I think you're right, largely. And I think some of – a lot of what we're playing comes down to calculating risk and, you know, um, just manage it, managing the risk of the game. And I think Enzo has a good idea of the league – of the quality around the league and and knows that we can afford to take certain risks and the way we do play out of the back. Um, the more the players play together, um, the more kind of mistakes they make early on, I think the better it will get going forward. But um, Enzo still seems to be like very positive about the side, even though he's admitted and he keeps saying and everything that he's been saying, I think he's been right on about but everything around the club um, lately. He's really hitting the nail on the head just every, every week. Um, but he's been positive about the side, even though you know he, he'll admit that we're still not where we need to be. And I think that positivity will help help the squad and help a keeper like Hermanson like play the game. We the, – we're we, – the, the biggest transition comes from like getting out of this um, formulaic way of playing and making sure that the X's and O's are where they're supposed to be. And until that, you know, and then having that become second nature and then just playing that free flowing football. And, and Chris, to, to your earlier points, I think we're starting to get there. And the, 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 what I see that's making me think that is, um, how quickly we're starting to counter on teams and we are starting to get the ball up the pitch at a very fast pace uh, during some to multiple moments of, of games. We had plenty of times where KDH was bombing up the pitch where, you know, Mavididi, Fatawu, they're, you know, we're just trying to get the ball up the pitch that, that Vardy goal, I mean, that was not a slow buildup there on the left that went back around, recycled to Hermanson before it got its way over to the to the right wing. That was a very quick cross-the-field pass that got right over, and then we just took off and saw that space and took it and, and flew up the pitch. And for me, that is um, – those are the most encouraging signs for me that, like, we're getting there. And, and the players are taking to this message – and the players all are on board and know that this is a very effective way to play football. 
Yeah, the I mean, shit. To your point, the Liverpool counter. I mean, look, <laughs> that was just bam, bam, and and right away we're up one nothing, third minute in. Um, I I think uh, a guy who really has been just so impressive, um, having to learn this new system, but not only learn a new system with new teammates and a new manager and a new league, he's also having to learn a new position, and that's Wilfred Ndidi. Um, we had questions at the beginning of the year when we saw number 25 showing up in the other box. Uh, and we we're like, certainly Enzo, he's just doesn't understand the player that Wilf is. Uh, but Holy cow, you guys, every week, he just seems to be getting it more and more and great interview this week, uh, by Owen, um, with him explaining how he's putting in the work to learn this new position and this new system and really the confidence that Enzo has instilled in him. Uh, to um, to really thrive in this position. Chris, uh, what are your thoughts so far on Matt, Mr. It's like, having, it's like having a new signing. Yeah. It feels like we've, if, yes, we, it feels like we've just got this new lad in who has naturally always played in this progressive role up the top of the pitch. I mean, if we want to, I mean, to sum him up and how great he's been, that pass for Vardy's goal on Sunday doesn't look up Plays it cross field, beautiful, like just on a plate. The 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 penalty against Bristol City, like you've got a guy who wasn't even thinking about being in those areas of the pitch last season. I mean, he was more sticking himself on the other end of the pitch, giving away penalties because he had his hands up by his arm, by his head every time. I mean. It's just amazing, I think, what the fresh start has done for that lad in terms of his confidence, in terms of him enabling to reset himself. And as you pointed out in that interview with um, Owen, which I thought was fantastic, and if you haven't caught it yet, go listen to it. It was great. Um, was just that he's got this new motivation and he's got that in bucket loads, and that's what we need. And, um, yeah, I think people will say, I know Harry Winks has had a great start. I know Vestergaard has had um, has been a revelation for us as well. But to be honest, I think he's up there with currently, if not leading. If I was to say what who's played with the season so far, I think he'd be he'd be what my my pick at this moment in time. Yeah, he's it's it's really just been incredible because when you you pair like and I don't think I'm the only one that thought that when we heard that there were six players, you know, whatever that wanted to leave or and you know, Enzo convinced him to go back. I I know I'm not the only one that just assumed that he was on that list, especially with all the rumors that we heard during transfer season. Um, but to really screw your head on and button down and embrace this role and this challenge says a lot about his character, doesn't it, Jason? Yeah. Um he having a lot of fun. I guess who wouldn't be having fun scoring goals and making assists and you getting to do that all the time, right? That that would make uh, anyone enjoy their football. And he hasn't had a chance to do that very much in his career. And, um, you know, without gushing over Enzo every time I'm speaking, I think he deserves a lot of credit for seeing that in Indeed where none of us did. And I mean, I, I don't think you would find a Leicester fan that would wanted wanted him in that position. It's certainly not after the first like couple of games, too, right? You know, he had a tough he had a tough time. I think Wilfred and Dee um, this year is an example of a, of, of a few different things um, and, and a bit of a microcosm of of our club right now and the way things are going. Um, 
to play in that to to excel in this division, you don't have to have all of the tools at a you know five out of five. But if you can do several other things at a five out of five, you don't necessarily have to be the the silkiest dribbler or have two feet. Um, and, and Wolf's dribbling has been amazing us this year, and it's much better than we realized it could be. And I think it's just getting better as the year uh, goes on. Uh, he's got an incredible engine on him. And he can cover so much ground, and he doesn't seem to be getting tired of any game. And I think having players like him, like KDH, like Mavadidi, Ricardo and, and, and a few others who can play a full 90 minutes if needed and not slow down um, and then bring in the reinforcements that, that we need. Um, it's just we – the other sides so far cannot cope with that. They do not have the squad depth and they don't have the athletes that, that we have in those areas of the pitch to be able to keep up and we're scoring a lot of late goals. And, you know, I've always, I've been bemoaning our lack of athleticism around the pitch. And that's something that we've changed this year. And we are highlighting our more athletic players out there. And we brought in a Fatawu and, you know, guys that can bring that, you know, in other areas of the pitch as well. And um, it's really, really, you know, done wonders for us. And the other thing I think that's a lot different is we have buy-in and the football is fresh. Things have become so stale for all the players. The football was stale. The lineups were stale. Um, confidence was low. And now guys like Ndidi are getting to play brand new football. It's a completely new game for him. And that's got to like be motivating and get you, you know, up in the morning and get you out of that monotony and, and the rut that you're in. We all kind of feel that. I'm sure all of us have felt that in our own jobs. You're getting up and you're kind of stuck in the dead end and you're doing the same thing over and over again. It's not fulfilling. Now, certainly it's a little easier to do all that when you're getting paid the salary of a footballer and you get to live, you know, every day at Seagrave rather than sit in a cubicle. But you know, hey, this is what these guys know. This is their their job. And he gets to do something else. He gets, you know, to move to the new division and gets to go on those, you know, I don't know what the equivalent would be, like get to, you know, bring in some nice hefty commission checks that he didn't have access to by, you know, getting these goals <laughs> and assists. And maybe he's now being invited to the to the conference that only like those producers are getting to go to. The gold right? level. Yeah, exactly. He's a, he's a, he's you know uh, in in the diamond tier um, <laughs> at his MLM, <laughs> and, uh, but it, it's changed. It, it's it's this motivation, and, and I think you know we needed to find that out of out of a lot of these players, and that the, the um, cynicism was there around around the club, around the the, the fans. Um, the confidence was at an all time low, and it's. You know, what do you do with the players that are still here? How do you get the best out of them? And how do you keep them motivated 
when you know it has to be an inherent letdown to to be playing in this division for some of these players um and, and we've hit the nail on the head you know on every point when it comes to wilford and Didi, and have turned him into like chris said a brand new signing that's really fun to watch i mean i thought he was one of our worst players last season definitely i mean by like him yuri it was it was bad it was yeah. really yeah. bad he was a shell of himself and now the old wilford and Didi is like unrecognized like he's unrecognizable compared to his former self to compare to his when he was at the top of his game as the best destroyer in europe and then he became that new shell of himself and now he's like a completely different guy again and um playing in a new position and loving life and, and getting the fans out of their seats every every week i mean i could keep going on about him but i i think i, I think that's it's it's great yeah. i was gonna say check check the receipts if you want to listen to the shows from last season dude we we lambasted him for his lack of like he just had no give a fuck like it was yeah, yeah. literally just going through the motions trotting around next to telemans just infuriating football and man for for him to to literally have turned this thing around it's just so impressive and so good to see so props to wolf and long may it continue um and then okay. speaking of turnarounds, I think there's another player that's uh yeah. I think you're adding there. Yeah. Uh are we I assume we're talking about the same player and that's Walt Foss. Is that where you were going? I mean, you're at the same the, the right area of the pitch. Well, okay, we talked Vestigard last week. Uh we, we really did a deep dive on him last week. Uh but I wanted to point out Walt Foss this week. Is that who you're speaking of? I don't know. I'm bad at reading you right now. Yeah, yeah. No, this is um, I mean, I, I think um right now Vestigard deserves to be, you know, he he has been consistently performing. Um yeah. and being that rock, we've always whenever we've done really well, we've always kind of had um that great duo. Um uh, and those those center backs that that really like pair really well with each other. We've had those iconic combinations throughout the years. And uh, listen, we're a little early here, so it's, um, I'm not comparing them to you know maybe you know Walsh and Elliott just yet. But um, Vestergaard is quietly just keeping everything nice and tidy. And then now I think we're starting to get the best out of. About Foss because yeah. Vestergaard is just so reliable, so dependable that you know Vestergaard can like let that hair flow <laughs> and and do Fa his thing. Foss can let it flow. Yeah, Bob uh, Foss can do that. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, we're we're on the same page for sure. And yeah, we talked last week just about a guy that you know, with Vesti and, and how not only from, you know, media, but then his own fans, like just being on his back. And I held up my hand and apologized because I was one of the nickname maker uppers uh, supreme. But uh, yeah, he has just literally been a block back there and done everything that we've needed. And yeah, to that point, now we see Foss playing with a little bit more freedom. We see this amazing header goal that he scores uh, 
against Blackburn. Just a beautiful goal. Uh, and yeah, I think you're exactly right, which, you know, now that we have Connor Cody healthy again, who we all assume was just going to step right back into the side. It's, it, I don't know, man. It, I, 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 I don't, um, admire being in zone having to make some of these decisions for the squad coming up because it, it's a wealth of weapons that we have chris yeah but i think as you've seen with especially on the wings as well that Enzo's not going to be afraid to rotate he yeah. will be comfortable knowing that he feels that cody can slip into that position if vestergaard needs a rest i mean i know i wasn't with you guys last week and i know we've kind of gone over this but Show me that if you want to know how much Vestergaard cares, just look at that block last after the save from Mads. Like he just die, throws himself at the ball, basically I think prevents it, prevents them from scoring. And I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I apologize in essence for and some of the stuff that happened because this guy is great, absolutely great. Um, but I think yeah, I think he won't. Enzo won't be too worried about slipping Cody in when he is fit and give it because I mean like we said last week I think there's 37 games left of the season now or something stupid so we're going to need to have the ability to rotate um in that area one thing I think to your point Matt about fast as well one thing that I've really enjoyed um we like to switch one of the things I'm that we switch it quickly and Faust yeah. is one of our big instigators in switching it quickly he loves that long field that long cross diagonal pass, get it out wide as quick as possible. So I think that's been um, a great kind of thing for his game. I think back to the Huddersfield game as well, where he was the guy who was leaps and bounds above everybody else on the pitch. And it was great to see him get on the score sheet. I mean, we scored, I don't know, does that count as scoring from a corner if we play it short and then cross it? I don't know. I think so. I think so too. Yes. We don't score that many. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was great at the back, ping it to the back post, great header. And I think, I don't know whether it's just, it's just doesn't it's starting to build that um, past two games, like you guys have said, we've took the advantage early and been aggressive early and grabbed two goals quickly. And maybe hopefully that's something we can continue to do. If asked, um, that diagonal ball was missing from Brendan's tactics. And whenever we'd play a, a team that would just smoke us and control the game, they always had that that club in the bag. They were yeah. always able to, you know, make that pass. And it's such a key what component of the way, you know, Man City plays, the way Liverpool play. We've got to be able to do that. And we would never ever look for that ball. And in Doyle and Foss, we have players that can make that pass. Um, the the Vardy goal, you know, came from a really quick, you know, cross field ball too that that started that. And um, when you control the ball and you start to kind of pull the opposition around the pitch, it frees up the other half of of the pitch for you because the, these players are starting to suck in closer to the ball. They're they're losing their shape, and you have to take advantage of that and strike quickly. And Foss does that that really well. And I'm like. He, he spots it very quickly, which which is key for us. Um, and then when we talk, when you know, I was talking about those iconic center backs that we've always had and those pairings, one thing that they've always done is chip in and score big goals. I mean, look at Walsh's record. Look at Elliot's 
record. Look at Taggart's record. These are uh, uh, Wes Morgan, Robert Huth. They all chip in and score their fair share of goals and oftentimes on those set pieces. And it's um, that's always that's been a problem for us for a while. And if we can get our defenders up the, up on, on these attacking set pieces and um, have them be a real aerial threat that can get the ball on goal, um, I mean that's going to be that's going to be a good chunk of extra goals for us this year, um, and and really really help our chances to to wrap up the league. It's just uh, it's a, a recurring theme, uh, and I think is is if it continues like this, guys, we're just there's players you look at Walt Foss, and it's like that guy just has no business being in the championship um and i think we're just gonna have a number of guys this year wilfred and Didi. i mean i some of these teams that we're, we play i i just can't imagine looking at the shit that we have coming off the bench um and just it's it's a great position to be in i gotta tell you i'm enjoying it very much and uh yeah it's 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 an odd position to be in too yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a championship substitution, isn't it, where you take off Vardy and bring on Iheanacho. I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah, and also, the, the greatest, Captain Daka the sitting there. In, they're one of the greatest players in oh. Leicester City history, and then you bring on a guy who is world-class. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, that's nice. It's it's uh, just Daka, can it? I mean, it's it's uh, crazy. I think it remains to be seen whether whether Pats and Daka is is too good for this level. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, my jury point. is still out, still out uh, on yeah. him there. Fair enough. But, uh, keep uh, going down the line here, guys. Though uh, Jamie Vardy's goal, we we briefly touched on it. Classic Jamie Vardy. Um, when when he starts doing those effortless little one touches again. Uh, the league better look the fuck out, Chris. I that that's just that's just literally textbook Jamie right there. Well, yeah, as you get older, yes, you're gonna lose certain aspects to your game. You're not gonna be able the Vardy of he's not gonna be able to burst 35 yards and beat a man, but what you don't lose is your ability to finish. And the way he took his goal on Sunday, brilliant. First touch takes it away from a defender and he just smashes it home. You can't you, it one of those goals, Matt, where I, I classic Vardy goal, classic poachers goal, and the sort of goal that I think we'll see more and more this year. Like you can kind like Vardy's Vardy has a role in this team. And again, not to keep we're gonna keep blowing Enzo's trumpet, which is amazing to, to say, but Enzo has a role and he understands what Vardy needs to do in this side. And I think he's been able to communicate that perfectly to Vardy. Like, yes, he plays deeper when we have, when we've got possession baseball, but then when we switch it quickly or when we're progressing it up the park quickly, he's on the last defender. He's pulling away. We're looking continuously for that ball around the corner, through the channel for him, 18 yard box finish. And so I think it's perfectly set up for him. He's going to get a few more, it's great to see. I mean, getting Vardy on the score sheet. Again, Matt, we talk about confidence building, momentum building. Like, imagine you're a championship side and all of a sudden you're seeing Vardy score five in six. Last thing you want to do is players at that point. You know you've got the go screaming and just hungry. So, yeah, been a, been, it's been fantastic to see. Build the statue, as we always say. Um, yeah, and top stuff. No, no disrespect to anyone else on the side, you know. I do really enjoy watching this side, and we have some 
some really good players for, for this level. Um, but there's just something different about a Jamie Vardy goal. Uh, what it does to the fans, what it does to the to his teammates, what it does to the opposition, what he does to the opposing fans. It's just there's something different about when he scores. And, you know, we're, uh, you know, it'd be very tough to find someone who wouldn't say that he's our greatest ever player. And uh, and what he's done for the club means more than, uh, like, he's done so much for this for the club. I mean, we've had some amazing talents and incredible players, but I don't think any have had the impact that, that he has had um, on, on our club. And he's, he's a special player. And he looks determined this year to um, make the most of any of his opportunities and to milk his goals for everything that they're worth. And um, I would just say to Lester fans out there, um, it's been very, I'm not saying that anyone's taken him for granted, but who knows how much longer we'll get to see this. I mean, he looks right now like he can continue to play for, for quite a long time. Um, but he looks determined to make the most of, of all of his goals. And, and I would just, um, not that I, I don't know. I don't think I don't probably don't even need to say this, but just, I, I think we all need to really make sure we're enjoying watching Jamie Vardy this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's, because, yeah. Well, it's like, it's, it, <laughs> we all know what he is, but last year, um, whether it was Brendan ball, whether it was just, I, I don't know what it was, but there were questions being asked by the fan base. Is, is it past? Is he gone? Is it, you know, uncomfortable questions being asked, not on this podcast, I will note, but that those rumblings were, if you were on Fox's talk or whatever, you did see people asking that question is he done is it past it and man to see him step his level back up and we're now seeing that classic Vardy it just reminds you that last year was just a total shit show and yeah to your point I'm so happy to see him really coming back and being a catalyst again for this squad um anything else on Mr. Vardy I mean I we could do a whole season. Oh my god! Literally, we could do, yeah, we could do him, But um, um, as good as that pass was, the 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 touch to, to receive it and and the finish on his left foot was even better. And um, I thought he had an out, another outstanding game, and and he's been playing playing some 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 really good football for us. Yes, uh, Nacho. Yeah, so go ahead. One thing I'm just going to follow on from Jason's point, which is bang on about Vardy um, and that idea that when he scores, it's different. He's the only footballer that I've ever seen where you enjoy when he scores at the opposite end to our fans because you just know that the celebration and everything that's going to happen is just pure pandemonium. And it just sets the message. I mean, normally you love it when the score at the Leicester end and all the fans can go crazy and stuff. But with Vardy, you think of his 
best goals, West Brom away, and all that sort of stuff, where it's just like he's in his element when he's got 10,000 behind the stand giving it to him as he's running through. And yeah, I don't think we'll ever see a guy like that in a Leicester shirt again. And echo Jason's point, enjoy this, guys, because yeah, we don't know how long it's going to last. But um, yeah, just well, he showed us this year that those goals don't have to be scored. At the away end. Yeah, he just wants the other way. He ran down to, to the <laughs> Bristol City fans. It kind of, I don't know. I don't want to speak too soon. But, um, you know, when you've, this might be a concept that's like, it hasn't really been seen much in, in England. So apologies to overseas listeners. But like when Derek Jeter retired, um, you know, great Yankee who won, you know, was a captain of the Yankees who won, you know, a bunch of uh, titles with, with the A and, and was a really like re- revered and, and respected player on the league. Every time the Yankee, he, he had announced his retirement and every time the Yankees went and played in a new city, um, the opposing fans were giving him, you know, people were showing up to see him one last time and he was getting gifts um, from the, um, from the opposing teams. And there was a lot of kind of respect there and everyone kind of knew that this was their last opportunity to, to to see him, it seems like Vardy's kind of taken that and and flipped it a bit, and he's making sure that like the opposing fans like you this could remember. you know I'm gonna make sure <laughs> you get Russell on this last tour on this last <laughs> go around. You're gonna get something from this. So instead of like a farewell tour, he seems to be like intent on going on this like full on wrestling tour. And, um, <laughs> I mean, I hope it lasts for a few more seasons, but it's just something that, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I'm keeping an eye on um, this year. I don't know if there's ever been a player that in the history of the league where you are more happy that he's on your team and he's not wrestling your jimmies and on the opposite end of it. Um, We're already into 45 minutes, so let's keep moving here. Uh, Nacho Berry's home a penalty. That was great to see. Um, And then, yeah, uh, talk about kdh's goal real quick because that thing was just absolutely incredible uh from start to finish there's the list of people that can make that finish is very small as was pointed out this week by uh the second tier podcast um they they said 99 of the people would miss that and i don't know man it i i can't argue with them there that that's just a gorgeous goal from from mr dewsbury all uh yeah I'll admit I really have not been listening to him this year. They seem just intent on getting the clicks however possible. But um, it, it was a tidy finish. Um, Eunice seemed to know what he was going to do and where he was going to play that ball like 20, 30 yards before he made that pass and kind of saw the pattern of play. It was a hell of a finish. But KDH making that run, being able to do that at that minute of the game, um, that just, you know, an example of what I was talking about before with Wilford and Didi and these types of players that can just go all out for the 90 minutes and cover a lot of ground. KDH was frustrating me for, for a lot of the game. Um, I think because he's always trying to play it on his left foot on a lot of our counters, he's kind of thinking a little bit too much and trying to figure out what he wants to do and how he can get it on his left foot. And he was slowing down some of our counters. But again, I think in this division, 
if you can do other things really well, like you'll get your opportunities and he does all the other stuff well. His distribution, I think, overall was decent and like helped us keep the ball. He made a few really incisive passes, but then he just brings a motor that of the opposition can't keep up with. And that was a big reason why he was able to score that goal and make that run and and, and look fresher than players that were just subbed on. Yes, sir. Um so yeah, guys, dominating performance, three more points, and on we roll into tomorrow. We're recording this right now. It's Tuesday evening, so tomorrow we have Preston North and two. Uh, I didn't see them being in third place this late in the season or this early in the year, but here we are, and and now this is what I mean. Technically, our biggest game of the year so far, guys. Which it, it's going to be a recurring theme this year, but I do think that if you look at the table and another win here. I mean, we're not far off from being 10 points by Saturday out in, in a very comfortable position. So uh, Preston North in on when tomorrow. Your thoughts heading into this one, Chris. I think we're going to see uh, more of the same as far as squad rotation uh, and just keeping things nice and fresh, especially now that Suter's in the mix. Uh, Cody's in the mix. We've got Callum Doyle out with an injury. Uh, young McAteer's out with an injury, so there's going to be some some flopping around. Yeah, hell of a two home game stand, isn't it? Preston North End and then Stoke, um, kind of two teams that he used to well synonymous back in the day with the old who fit as far as he can, big lads on the pitch. I mean, I think Preston have evolved. Preston's a fun one, and for our American listeners, you're probably looking at the name and thinking Preston North End. It's not a city. It's not a United. Like this is one of the oldest football clubs in the whole of England. Um, when we go away, we can the when the away corresponding fixture. We'll probably talk more about them. But the North End is because that was the original area of the city where they used to play in the North End of Preston. So they kind of stuck with the name, and I just thought it was really apt, given that we see, especially with the MLS and the expansion coming to San Diego and the branding that's going to be announced. And the expectation that it's probably going to be a city or United or or something like that. It, I think it's just a really quirky, great thing about English football that they stay true to their roots in terms of some of the the description. In terms of the game, Matt, yeah, fully believe, fully expect the same thing as you. We'll probably we won't see the same eleven that started on Sunday. I'm pretty confident of that now. Um, I think I don't think Cody. It was interesting. He didn't bring Cody on at the weekend maybe we'll see him uh, tomorrow. If not, we'll probably see him Saturday. Obviously, there was a certain rest that is needed after he's played. But, um, yeah, fully, I don't know, I'm starting to... Is it wrong to get that arrogance now that you're starting to think that, <laughs> like, even no. though they're third place, <laughs> you just think to yourself that, like, the way we've I, been playing, the potential, yeah. like, yeah, we should win this game. Uh I, I feel it's like with Leicester yeah. when we do that. We just no man. I, I I feel really good, especially when you look at they got absolutely the shit kicked out of them by West Brom on Saturday. Um, so they're coming into it off of a loss. Uh, you know, I, I I think that all signs are pointing to uh, another three points, Jason. I I'm not marking off three points in in the in our bag. 
just yet. And oh, that was a terrible mix metaphor. Oh, a live, live, live radio for for everyone here. So, um, you know the uh, the beast is out of the cage, and the train just keeps going down the tracks. But um, <laughs> optimism, boys, optimism. So I think this is going to be a tough one um, for a, a few different reasons. Um, this is a north end side that has, they don't really have much to lose. And I, we've had a bit more difficulty playing at home than playing away for a few different reasons. Um, teams really tighten up at the back. And up until their last game, you know, against West Brom, they, uh, their defense was, was playing very well. They were very well organized. And, um, you know, maybe that's a blip. Who knows? It's still pretty early in the season. The sample size is still small. But if the if the Preston uh, that have been you know picking up the points that they've been picking up all season show up at, at at King Power, they may be the best team that that show up and play against us. And we've had difficulty against against some sides and and breaking them down. And you know we. The sides that have done that to us have kind of stayed in the game a bit longer. Um, you know, Hull, you know, for example. And um, and that's when we dropped points actually this year and, and got our only loss. So I I think it's gonna be a tough one. I think Preston will will make this a difficult game. They have a little bit of a reputation for taking points off off the bigger sides, and, and they really seem to be up. For, for this, um, I know they're gonna they'll have a lively away end. Uh, our home atmosphere compared to our away ends um, have been very have been relatively flat, and that's why you keep seeing Enzo is just trying to implore the the home crowd to be a bit more like the away ends and to support the side no matter what's going on in the game, um, and, and not to you know lose patience when we do need to work it out in the back. So. Um, I think it's going to be a very intriguing battle. I think it's going to be um, a, a, a tough game, and I'm looking forward to it. I, I am. And um, if anyone gets the opportunity to spend any time with uh, one of our club legends that I've mentioned a few times, Mr. Mr. Steve Walsh, just give it enough time, and, and he will make sure that um, he tells you he's from Preston. <laughs> He doesn't waste an opportunity to to to, to let the, the people know that that he's from up there in that part of the world, and um, there's a certain toughness and a certain breed that I think that, that comes out of out of Preston. If if Steve Walsh is an example, so um, it, it it should be it should be a good game on Wednesday. So yeah, Wednesday tomorrow. I keep saying that. So yeah, hopefully you're listening to this uh, either on your way down to the KP or getting ready to watch the match tomorrow. But uh, yeah, we got. Preston and then uh, Stoke City on Saturday, as Chris alluded to. Stoke currently sitting in 17th, uh, but always a dangerous side. You can <laughs> never sleep on that. We've had some just incredible matches with those guys, so uh, that'll be another one. But good to be uh, back to a normal kind of uh, hangout time after that 4 a.m. kickoff. It'll be nice to uh, get back with San Diego Foxes at the bar. I'm sure New York Foxes will be getting together in New York City as well for that mm -hmm. Stoke match. Um, but 
uh, great opportunity, guys, here to put six points and really start separating ourselves from uh, the rest of the league. And, and boy, I just hope that they uh, can grab onto it and take advantage of it. Anything else that you guys want to speak of before we uh, – I got a question sent in this week from actually a New York Fox. So uh, Craig Rom, uh, New York Fox extraordinaire, and uh, also has visited us many times here in San Diego and hung out with San Diego Foxes. He – wrote in and said, question for the pod, is Lester the good luck Chuck of the league? I.e., find and develop young talent only to have them get picked off by the, quote, big, unquote, clubs. Get in bed with Lester and wake up with Tottenham. Can we fix this? Uh, being one of your disciples, Jason, I will let you answer the New York Fox, uh, Mr. Rom. Well, what are your thoughts on that? I have to see if I'm qualified to enough to answer this question because... Um, uh, clearly, uh, Craig is much more up on his rom-coms, um, than I am. <laughs> and so I don't know if I've, if I've seen that one, uh, but it looks like it's got a, you know, pretty well-known cast. I'm sure there are some, some good, good chuckles in there. Um, yeah, look, unless you're one of the biggest clubs in the world, you're always going to be doing this right to some degree. And it's something that we've done even during um, our best years, playing in the championship, you know, selling off in Golo Conte. Um, it's, it's going to happen. But I think um, there's a way to do that and, and, to, and to maintain success. And it takes management of the squad. It takes management of contracts. Um, and we got away from that last year and that's why we were in all these contract debacles and letting players go on free have forcing you know this we're being forced to sell players before we were really ready and doing all the other things right really kind of limit those losses there and um right now look we have to i think accept the position that we're in um we're going to sell off players that we develop and we're going to have to develop players for bigger clubs like the Callum Doyles and the Cassidy's and those types of players. It's just the nature of, of where we are um, in the football pyramid. But uh, hopefully this season is a wake up call for the, for the top brass and what we need to kind of get back to in terms of recruitment and squad build, building so that more of these players are, are Leicester players and will remain Leicester players for, you know, as long as possible when we develop them. Um, and then hopefully then we can start sending out our players uh, on loan again and having other clubs kind of step in and fill, fill the role that we were formerly in. Perfectly said. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Uh, Chris, Anything that uh, you would like to touch on before we send the good folks home uh, on another? Because we're already in an hour here. <laughs> no, mate. I think we've sent everything and just looking forward to getting back. Two games on the bounce, getting to see you on Saturday. Can't wait. Um, just a reminder for everyone, I think tomorrow's game is on the LCFC player and not yeah. ESPN+. Plus. So, um yeah, fingers crossed the experience is a little bit better than it has been in previous weeks and we're not all stressing with blue screens yeah. of death. And <laughs> I think they got it figured out, according to the email that I was sent, which 
offered me, you know, only 55 hoops to jump through to get my refund for missing the first 20 minutes of the match uh, last week. But uh, yeah, I think hopefully that's all figured out now. And if I could take the opportunity, just wanted to uh, had, had special visitors um, this weekend and wanted to take an opportunity to thank um, the Birchenall family for, for a very kind gesture uh, this weekend. It was good to spend a little time uh, with Dean and Nikki um, and also wanted to send uh, a very special thank you over to uh, to Louise at, at the football club. Uh, played a part of that and uh, thank you, Lou. You've always been so wonderful to, to me, my brothers and, and the New York Foxes. And um, also give a shout out to um, my pals, uh, you know, Jake and, and, and Jack over at the, uh, those big strong Leicester boys who had just completed the Cologne Marathon. And uh, I know you guys had a, had a lot going on, um, Jack especially, and uh, well done. He broke the four hour mark on his first, probably in last marathon. So now it's time to, uh, to go on, get fat, have kids, <laughs> and never run marathon again. Yeah, the fuck those marathons, man. I'm not running unless something's chasing me. Um, guys, uh, that will be it for this um, edition of the U.S. Foxes podcast. Uh, it is October now, so I did want to quickly state that I will be over for the Swansea away match and the Sunderland home match. Uh, our numbers in the UK, you guys just continue to uh, blow my mind of how many of you are listening now in the UK. So uh, if any of our UK listeners would like to get together for a pint uh, while I am in town, please uh, hit us up in the DMs. We're probably going to be hanging out at Everard's and a few other spots doing some pub crawls. So please hit me up in the DMs as far as uh, – getting together that would be absolutely a blast uh but on that note guys uh thank you for joining us on another edition of the u.s foxes podcast wherever you are in the world we cannot thank you enough for spending this hour with us as we talk about this little old club in the east midlands um we literally are here because of you guys so tell your friends your family uh, the guy standing next to you in SK1, if you heard these dumbass Americans talking about our club, we would uh, love it if you could just spread the word. And uh, yeah, we will uh, talk to you next time on the U.S. Foxes podcast, hopefully with six more points. Until then, guys, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.